This is the 40 Thrive Podcast, Episode 5. You're listening to the 40 Thrive Podcast, the show created for women 40 and beyond, ready to shake things up. Get exclusive access to expert advice, support, and strategies that will inspire, motivate, and give you the tools to not just survive, but thrive. And now, your host, Jackie McDougall. Welcome to the 40 Thrive Podcast. Here we are in the final days of 2018. How many of you are getting ready, setting some goals, making things happen, or just eating your body weight in chocolate? I think I'm doing all of the above. Um, I don't want to chat too much because I want to get into today's episode, Lickety Split. Uh, Denisha Danielle Reister is here. If you are in the 40 Thrive community already on Facebook, you know Denisha as the incredible financial expert that she is. She went from government assistance, single mom, really struggling, laid off, not knowing what she was going to do with her life to this commercial real estate mogul, owning apartment buildings and becoming this financial whiz and sharing her gifts with our community. And I could not be more grateful for her expertise and her experience and her ability to just tell it like it is. One thing I love about Denisha is that she gives the rest of us hope because she shows us if she can do it, we all can do it. So if you're going into 2019 and you're thinking I'm broke or I'm in debt or my credit score is not looking so good or whatever number of things that are holding you back, Denisha is here to provide her value and helping you kind of dig out of that hole and spend the next few days of 2018 preparing for the year ahead. In fact, while all the other people out there are hanging out and watching movies or spending time in front of the TV on Netflix, you could spend a few hours between now and the first of the year doing some of these things that she's going to tell us And it will be a game changer for 2019. You will be starting the year on such a positive note, feeling in control and ready to take on the new year. And so without further ado, Denisha, welcome to the 40 Thrive Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Always, always. So the community is very familiar with your work, with your background. We have done workshops together. You have spoken at the 40 Thrive event um, in 2018. and But I don't know that they are fully aware of the brilliance that is Denisha. So we're going to give it. (laughs) We're going to give them some today. All right. Okay, good. We are now so close to 2019. It is like beating down our door. And I think a lot of people are feeling kind of anxious or unsure worrying about like some of those habits that they've had in 2018, how they're just going to continue in 2019 and nothing's really going to change. And so you have some tips for people to really look at this week as an opportunity and to set yourself up for success now so that 2019 looks better. Absolutely. And you know, this is like, this is that week of the year that's kind of like the limbo week, right? Where you're, you're working, but you're still in between the holidays and the new year. And 
And so this is really a good time to do these type of activities without being in the regular hustle and bustle. Maybe you're like working from home, like both of you and I are. Yeah. Or maybe you have a couple of days off or you're returning your holiday items. But if you can take the time to utilize these business days um, that are kind of the end of the year to do some things that are related to your personal business, I think it definitely starts off the next year on the right foot. Awesome. So let's get right to it. So you have five tips. Let's start with tip number one. Okay. Number one, all things, all roads with money lead to credit, all of them. So my number one tip is to pull your credit report and then check it for any corrections that are necessary or inaccuracies, any extra inquiries that are on there and to basically make the step to dispute them. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So I am willing to bet that there are people out there who are like, I don't even know. You just said pull credit report. What the hell are you talking about? So (laughs) let's break it down. So they can go onto any of these websites. I know there's like freecreditreport.com or Credit Karma. I mean, I know that. Do you have a site that you like to use? Oh, that's a great question, Jackie. I probably did skip ahead. Okay, so this, so what I do is I actually do a credit monitoring, and and there's several credit monitoring um, companies that you can get free credit reports through, or you can just go to freecreditreport.com. But honestly, I do think it is a good investment of your money to have credit monitoring. Um, because when, if and when things do pop up on your credit that are inaccurate, you can address them instantly when they pop up, not months later when you discover them or, you, or you're in the process of applying for something. So the one that I personally use is the one that I get through Costco, and I think it's called creditchecktotal.com, mm-hmm. I believe is what it is. And I, I, you have to sign up through Costco to get their reduced rate, but Credit Check Total um, does all three bureaus. And it gives you a free credit report every 30 days. So you can kind of see where you are in terms of your um, score every month. But if you haven't done that, I think the first place to start is just getting your credit report and making sure that you get all three bureaus. Right. Because they're not all created equal. I've noticed that, you know, you may have a credit score or something that shows up as questionable on one report, but not necessarily all three of them. Right. Not all creditors report to all credit bureaus and not all um, creditors pull credit reports from all three bureaus. So I think it's important for you to know what's on each report with each bureau. Okay, cool. And so I've pulled my credit report. I've gone to one of these websites and I've looked at it. Every time I go to get credit, there's an inquiry there. So you're telling me that having companies inquire about my credit can actually lower the score. Absolutely. And when you have multiple inquiries, there's supposedly something where if you have um, inquiries within a certain number of days, then they don't ding you for your credit. But in my experience, you always get dinged. And I don't know if it just falls right outside of that that credit reporting window. But I've also noticed that even if I pull with, let's say, like if I pull, if I'm buying a car, which we just we just bought a car, they'll pull your credit report like three times. <laughs> and it will ding your credit each time? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So even though we only applied with two companies, which was a, a credit union and, you know, the dealership, somehow we had like five or six inquiries, which just didn't make sense. 
So I, I dispute everything. Like I dispute everything because number one, the creditor has to reply to that within 30 days or else it automatically will drop from your credit report. And some of them don't take the time to do it. Some of them don't have the proof that you authorized it. And so sometimes they just drop off anyway. I see. So I remember I would get my three credit reports. And then if you wanted to dispute anything, you had to go to each individual creditor or credit bureau right. and dispute them individually. Now they have websites where you can just go on yeah. right away and dispute on all three of them. It's so easy that it's it's crazy. The fact that anybody doesn't do it to check their credit and to dispute things is is nuts because you, you're wondering, you're looking at the score and you're like, why is this not so great? Well, there it's it's in black and white right there. And so right. you can go and dispute. So you're talking about disputing any of any of these dings that you get from um, inquiries. Right. But what if you see a charge or, or a late, you know, your old Macy's credit card that maybe you had four years ago or whatever, and you see a 30 day late on there and you have no recollection of it, you can also dispute that charge. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have a whole hour about this because what I would say is it's another, that's another benefit of a credit um, like monitoring system is that you can literally click check mark exactly what you want to dispute and press submit and it's done. And they have to get back to you. You get an email within 30 days about the results. So that that's another benefit there. But when you do have something that is like a negative reporting, which should absolutely get your utmost attention. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. Like if it's an old Macy's card, I would call Macy's and say, hey, I've been a client and customer of yours for X amount of years. Um, you have a, a late reporting that's affecting my credit. I'd like you, I'd like it to be deleted um, as a one-time courtesy. That's like my favorite little, <laughs> right? <laughs> I say it all the time. Like if there's a late fee or if there's, um, you know, a deletion that I'm requesting, I'm like, just as a one-time courtesy out of X amount of months, you know, I've always paid on time, but somehow something must've happened with when I changed banks or whatever was going on at that time that my payment was a little bit late. Would you be able to delete this as a one-time courtesy? And oftentimes they will. Sometimes you need to escalate it. You know, sometimes you can say, um, you know, do you have proof that I paid this late? Because I don't have proof that I paid it late. So they have to present that in order to report it on your credit. So there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And like like I said, we can go into like all of the ways <laughs> well, um, and, to and dispute that's why- these things. Yeah. And that's why in 2019, we are going to work together and provide people these individual workshops so they can really dive deeper into some of these topics. Because um, I think it's really important for women over 40, women, especially with just that vibe I get sometimes when talking to women about finances, it's like they'd rather bury their head in the sand or change the topic or, oh, those are nice shoes. Like they don't necessarily want to talk about money. And I think that this is the time in our lives that we need to be empowered to talk about money and make decisions now that will carry us through the rest of our lives. Right. Well, after 40, you really just don't have the excuses that you have in your 20s and your 30s because you know after 40 the value of credit. Mm-hmm. Either it's really worked for you or it's really worked against you. And you can bury your head in the sand or you can say, you know what, let me just 
take control of this and and you know use these tools that other people are using to to put themselves in a better financial position because right. it's, i mean you cannot do it but it's only hurting yourself that's the way i look at it right and I think some people look at their credit score as, well, whether they can buy a house or not, or they can get a, some big purchase that they want. But in actuality, you're going to pay more for that house in interest rate if your credit score isn't great. You're going to pay hundreds more, thousands more, possibly hundreds of thousands more. <laughs> like you are absolutely paying a lot more on everything with credit, your car, your credit cards. I mean, sometimes even like a security deposit on your utilities, like mortgage payments, every single thing you are literally paying more for because of your credit score. You know, and if your credit score is not above 740, then it should absolutely be your goal that it is. And we're going to talk about those 2019 goals Yes, um, that you're always setting that I love because you've got me on the right track. So we've pulled our credit report. We've looked at the inquiries. We've looked at the charges. Now, can you only dispute the charges if they're actually incorrect? Or can you dispute the charges if you're like, eh, they have 30 days to respond to it. There's a good chance that they'll actually pull this off my credit. Even though I know I was late, I should try it anyway. I dispute everything. So whatever is going to come off is going to come off. And and then whatever I need to kind of call and, and talk to the creditor about directly, then I can do it that, that way in 30 days. I personally dispute everything. I'm pretty sure most, um, you know, credit repair experts would tell you the same thing. Well, I mean, there's no harm in it. It's not like you're going to go to credit jail if... You know, they find out, well, you, <laughs> right. you knew you were late on that. So we were talking offline before we started recording about when you don't pay and it goes to the creditor or the credit bureau and it's marked as a 30-day late, what is your advice? Any creditor that calls you to collect a payment and they're saying you owe this or we're going to send you to collections, you're not, your first question is, is, has this been reported on my credit? If you have a credit monitoring system, you'll know that it has or it hasn't. If it has not been reported on your credit, then work out a payment plan system. Do something that works it out so it never appears on your credit. If it does appear on your credit, you have to, at that point, really, really press hard about if they want to collect payment, they are going to have to remove it from your credit. Because whether or not you pay it, if they put it on your credit, if they don't remove it, you have no reason to pay a bill that's going to be negatively reported on your credit. Interesting. So if because it, it the damage is already there. So you're just paying the bill and they're still getting the damage to your credit report. So I tell them all the time, if you want my money, you're going to have to delete this from my credit report. And so I, I mean, like I said, I've had bad credit at least three separate times in my life. <laughs> which is not something I'm proud of, but it was like a, a difficult learning system because I didn't have, I didn't really have uh, good financial habits coming into adulthood. And so then I learned and I fixed it myself. And so what I'm, what I would say is absolutely do not pay it because they collection agencies get paid based upon how much money they collect from you unless they are willing to delete it from your credit. And so you can ask that and some, you know, a percentage of the time they will actually agree to delete it from your credit. 
Yeah, it may take a couple phone calls. It may uh, require escalating it to a supervisor. But if it's especially like a $20, something like that, I'm not paying that. Why would I pay that? If it's, you, you've already reduced, I mean, a collection can reduce your credit score 50 points. Wow. Regardless of the amount. That's unbelievable. So what if it says, is there a big difference between, like, say it says a 30-day or a 90-day? Um, do they take your score down in increments depending on how late you are? Oh, yeah. A 90-day would be the worst to charge off. Those type of things really, really affect things. But if all of that stuff can be deleted, no matter how bad it is. So if they really want the money, which it may not be worth the time for them to do a deletion letter for you, um, you know, I just keep, I just stand my ground until I get it. That's great. And then you will give them the money. But if you pay it, you have absolute, if you pay it, you have absolutely no leverage. They'll never remove it because they already got the money. Right. And then you would just have to go back to the first step where you see it on your credit report and then you dispute it there. But yeah, it's better to have the actual creditor delete it than to have to go through that process. Right. And so then this is the other side note about medical bills. They will always prompt you for your social security number. And they'll say for insurance verification purposes. But if you notice, all insurance cards say nothing about your social security number. They have an ID number that's your personal ID. And that's for a reason because medical companies are getting your social security number for the purposes of collections. Oh. And you are not required to give it to them. I've had, I mean, we've got four kids, one on the way, and my husband has a lot of medical procedures as a former football player. So we go to a lot of different doctors. I've only had one doctor say that they would not service me if I didn't give them my social security number, which to me is a red flag. Definitely. Because this is somebody who's absolutely goes quickly to collections and, and that's not that's not a place I wanna I wanna be. But if they never have your social security number, guess what? They cannot send you to collections. Oh, that's fascinating. That is like, I have never heard anything like that tip right there. That, that's amazing. Wow. So is that, so we've, we've, just to recap. So we've pulled our credit report. We've disputed um, inquiries. We've disputed uh, late charges. We've made sure that anything that was, that we maybe owe in collections that they give us a deletion letter so that way it won't impact our credit. Is that pretty much what we should be doing this week as far as credit? Absolutely. Absolute great start to the new year. It's just to even know where it is and then obviously make sure that 740, if you're not already there, is your goal. Awesome. I'm going to put 740 on my vision board, Denisha. Because <laughs> Yes. Like other women in the 40 Thrive community, I was at your workshop and it was amazing. And so we're going to have another one of those coming up too. So people need to start emailing hello at 40 Thrive to get on your wait list for any of your 40 Thrive workshops. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. So let's move on to the next tip. Tip number two. Okay. So tip number two is really for homeowners. And I strongly, strongly recommend this. So in order to understand what your mortgage payment is, you kind of have to understand what an amortization schedule is. And your amortization schedule basically has every, over, over a 30-year term, whatever your term is, 
how much of your payment goes to interest and how much of your payment goes to principal in order to get to that payoff date 30 years from now. So every year when you're paying the initial part of your mortgage term, you are you are paying more interest than you are principal. And it takes a long time to get down to that principal. So that's, that is how the banks are making their money off of servicing your loan. So one way to kind of get a jump start on it, and if, you, if you've if you read your loan docs, if you look at an amortization schedule, it's going to tell you how much money you're going to pay in interest. Mm-hmm. And that is basically determined by the time that you're carrying this mortgage. So one way to get a jump on that and to really pay off your home quicker and reduce your debt a lot faster is to make what I recommend is it basically making 13 mortgage payments per year. If right now you can afford a 13th mortgage payment, pay it. It will absolutely benefit you infinitely more in the long run because whatever extra payments you make get applied directly to your principal. So the interest from that point on is reduced. And, and there's a lot of calculators that you can use online mm-hmm. that will show you show you how this works. But one thing, if you can't afford to do that, what I would do is change your payment schedule for next year. And instead of paying your mortgage payment once per month, I would pay it every two weeks, half of your mortgage payment every two weeks. And since we have 52 weeks in a year, we would be making 26 payments, which right. would actually w- work out to be 13 mortgage payments. Ah, because there's some, some of the months, obviously, with a fifth week that you'd be making those payments. Correct. That's great. And so, I mean, you're saving at the end of it. So you have a $500,000 mortgage. You're saving thousands of dollars by making this 13th payment per year. Yes. Hundreds of thousands, depending on how much your mortgage is. Right. That's fantastic. Tens of thousands for sure. Yes. Strongly recommend it. And if people can't necessarily do that, they can at least take um, their mortgage payment and then divide that by 12 and then add that additional amount to their mortgage payment each month. Correct? Correct. So that way at the mm-hmm. end of the year, it's actually like making 13 payments. Right. That's great. That's a great tip. Thank you. So let's move on to tip number three. Okay, so tip number three is basically getting new insurance quotes for all of the insurance that you carry. Um, A lot of people are, if you're employed and you get health insurance through your employer, it's not going to apply to you. But you may have several options that you can take a look at through your employer and see if maybe this is is usually that time frame where you can re-enroll or change something. But I would definitely take a look at where you are right now and if there's an improvement that can be made. Um, in some way or another. And and a lot of people have those, you know, those health reimbursement accounts mm-hmm. that you that expire at the end of the year. So if you need some doctor appointments, you can go run and do that. Uh, if assuming you can still get an appointment. Right. But e- if even if you can't, there, you know, you should definitely know what your options are. In addition to that, um, property insurance, auto insurance, all of, you know, any other insurance that you are carrying likely will have gone up in your deductible. They add, well, not your deductible, your premium. So it, they just basically add to your premium because it makes it more profitable for them as insurance carriers. Mm-hmm. You're, regardless of whether or not you've had a claim, regardless of whether or not you've had an increased risk, 
Sometimes they will just increase it um, just to make it more profitable. And what I do is I make insurance companies compete for my business by getting quotes from other insurance companies. It takes a little bit of time, but every single time that I've done it, I've found some sort of savings somewhere along the way. And then one year, I saved thousands of dollars by switching all of my insurance over. So I really recommend it, especially if you've ever had um, with auto insurance, if you if it increased um, for because of tickets or if it increased because of um, an accident potentially at some point, I would I would definitely make the insurance companies compete for my business and make sure I'm paying the least amount I can for the same coverage depending on upon the company. Right. So you're not always jumping ship when you find a lower price. You sometimes take that price to your current insurance company. Oh yeah, and see if they can match it. And a lot of times they do. Wow. I I don't know exactly how all the insurance works, but I'm assuming some of that increase might be the insurance agent's commission. (laughs) Oh, interesting, because they'd rather make something than nothing. Correct. And they don't want to lose all your business. Right. Especially if you're a claim-free, quote-unquote, client. Because if you're claim-free, you're extremely valuable. Right. I... I'm fascinated by, and I know that you're not the insurance expert necessarily, but I'm fascinated by the attitude, including my own, that, I mean, I probably pay more for my insurance because I'm worried, well, these other ones that you save your money, you know, is the insurance not as good? Am I going to be running around for six months trying to get payment? So maybe I should just pay a little more to make sure that I have the customer service and you know, a reputable insurance company. But you're saying that it's that what you pay isn't necessarily what you get. Um, you know what? I wouldn't necessarily say that because I'm the same way. I do prefer to be with somebody who's a, a larger carrier. But at the same time, I don't really file a lot of claims on my insurance. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that in my mind, you know, I don't really have a lot of claims. So I know I'm pretty valuable. I have very high coverages. I pay a lot of money. And if I'm going to pay more to be with one of those bigger carriers, I want to know exactly how much more I'm paying. Right. You know, if, for instance, like car insurance, there's a, I, I had car insurance for some years with Wawanisa, which you may have never heard of. Mm-mm. It's not something you see commercials for, mm-hmm. but it's it's provided. I think it's provided to like um, government employees and military employees. Something something that's kind of a little bit off of the grid, and they have excellent coverage, much lower rates because they're not paying for advertising. Right. But it it actually worked out for me that when I moved my homeowners insurance and my auto insurance and my property insurance all in one place the reduction in premium was worth it for me. But you it has to be worth it for you in your situation. And if, and if you're not going to go with a big carrier, you know, I, I don't really like having my auto insurance, which is probably the most likely claim that you're going to have right. mm-hmm. um, with kind of one of those mom and pop places. I really, I don't, I don't like the headache of it. Right, but right. But I do want to use that number to negotiate if it's possible and then see if if that difference in premium is actually worth it to me in order to pay more money. 
Right. That's so interesting. So tip number three would be this week looking at get new quotes. Yeah, get new quotes. And so you can also do that online or you could just call like the local broker as well. Correct. And and I would say, you know, getting a little bit more educated over the years, I've gotten a lot more educated about insurance and what my coverages are and what would make me get denied or something like, you know, what what coverages are maybe optional that you may want to include and maybe some that are not very likely so you can have a higher deductible. I think it's also a good exercise to get a little bit more educated about what your insurance covers and what it doesn't cover um, for your specific lifestyle. Right. I think that's such a good point that look at your lifestyle, look at what you're protecting and get insurance that's appropriate to that. Right. And look at your kid. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> my uh, my daughter, I mean, I had an accident in my first year of driving, you know, kind of a single car, only my fault, hydroplaning in the rain accident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my daughter, um, you know, in her first year of owning a car, she rear-ended somebody, you know, and, and of course our coverage was, you know, very comprehensive. So all we had were responsible for was the deductible. But I think it's, I mean, it's wise to have a certain amount of coverage that makes sense, um, but also understand how much more you're paying. Because if somebody really walks you through that, I, I think it'll, I think it will make you make more informed and educated decisions about it. Right, right. That's great. Okay, let's move on to tip number four. So every every credit card company will give you a summary of your bills. If you log in, it'll say year-end summary or something along those lines. And I would just really take a look at that and look at it by month, especially if you're taking a look at budgeting. Um, because what I find is that most people really don't know how much they're spending. Right. And this, this is just really the first step in becoming like more aware of where your money goes. Um, some people, you can also do it with debit cards. Um, so it's not just credit cards. You can also get them through your banks, um, online services to do some sort of year end summary. And they're pretty good. Even if you don't, um, allocate it, they're pretty good at determining what goes where. Okay. And if not, you can, you can usually go to a charge and say all checks to this company are utilities, all checks to this company are rent or mortgage. And it will actually, um, do it for you. So then you can kind of see where things are for 2018 and see if there's something that you can change towards 2019. But the first step is really becoming aware of how much you're spending. Right. I mean, it's so true because you say, oh, I I don't have enough money for this. And then you look at your year end and you're like, wow, that's a whole lot of money on Starbucks, (laughs) you know? Right. Or I forgot I spent this on that. Like a lot of times that's a, a big, a big thing. And I just had somebody who was like, I'm spending 25% of my income on personal care. Wow. (laughs) She was like, I'm shocked at that. And I was like, that's a mortgage payment. Right. You know, but she's single. And so, I mean, these are things that like just be that first step into awareness. She was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to spend less money on this because it's just too much money. I can't afford it. Right. Or start making more money using your vision board techniques. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So be aware of what you're spending and then make some adjustments in the new year, obviously, to 
Um, I mean, there's nothing worse than looking at where you spent your money and you're like, wow, I really could have done A, B, and C with that, or I could have gone on that vacation. We constantly hear people who are unable to do certain things in their lives that would make bring so much joy. But Mm -hmm. if you were to look at your credit card statements or your bank statements and see where you're spending your money, I bet there's at least a mini vacation in there for you. At the very least. And truthfully, that should be your reward. You know, the the whole point, I mean, my final tip is you already know what, what it's going to be, Jackie. I would not be <laughs> me if I did not say you should absolutely be setting goals, doing even a small vision board, something that you, you know, are, are moving towards where your attention can be directed, your energy can be directed, your actions can be directed in order to getting you to a better place than you are right now, you know, in, in 12 months from now. So I, I would absolutely recommend, you know, making goals about not just that vacation, but your credit score. Um, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, how do I know when I'm ready to buy an investment property or when I'm ready to buy a house? And I'm like, when you decide to do it, you will do it. Right. And that's that's what it that's what it takes is your decision to do it will will make you get there. And I think that this is that week that I mean, I've always done my vision board during this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can really do it at any time. And as you know, I'm like very about it being fluid. So I think that right now, if you're taking a look at these things, your brain is automatically going to find ways to set goals. And then if you can put those goals in writing and put them up in some way, then you will be reminded. And and in, in many ways, your 2019 will be different. Absolutely. And I love that. And I've already started to do that. Um, you mentioned in our, our vision board workshop earlier this month, a planner that you use. I will link to that planner in the show notes. People can buy it. But I have received the planner and I'm ready to start putting things up there. And it's funny because I started with this whole like, get out of debt on my, in my head that would go on the board. And then I realized, no, because all I'm seeing is the word debt. Right. (laughs) So I flipped it. So it's like now it shows or it will show the credit score and the financial Mm -hmm. freedom side of it. So I'm looking at what happens with it once I've once I've moved into that positive direction. But I think that's one right. of the one of the problems that we're constantly saying out loud the things that we don't want instead of the things that we do want. So one way to, I mean this is like vision board <laughs> class, but um <laughs> one way to do that in a positive way is to take those credit card like take a, a snippet out of your credit card statement and change that balance to zero. Change your mortgage statement balance to zero. Oh, I love that. Or or paid off, you know, like in big red letters, paid off, paid off, paid off, you know? Right. Which I would, I mean, those type of things, when you see it, you will be shocked. Like you will see it and, <laughs> and you're like, holy mackerel, which you know <laughs> I would not say. Um, but you will see it and then you'll say, I really did pay that off. Right. And you won't you know, you you will have set that in motion right now. Right. And I think some people listening might be like, oh, vision boards, woo woo or whatever. But setting that intention and having that in front of you, it gives you this like, as you say, a zing, like a, a belief in I can do that. I, there was a time I was $33,000 in debt 
and I set a plan in motion. And I think it was within 24 months, I had us completely out of debt. We had no credit cards. Mm -hmm. We had nothing. And it was the best feeling ever. It is completely doable no matter where people are to be where they want to be. It's just going to take different amounts of time depending on where you are. Absolutely. And and there's then there's, you know, there's getting out of the negative place, but then there's also getting to the abundant place. Um, so it's like, you know, there's this will be a, a fluid process where you're like, okay, you know, I remember when I was like, I just want a four unit or I just want to buy a house. And when I did that, then it's now it's like, I just want a hundred units. Can I just have a thousand units? You know, like this, this, it, there's a new, there's a new light, a new layer, a new level. And I think that, um, you know, starting and not, and knowing that it's never too late and these things change when, as soon as you decide to make them change, um, is is really the key and there's not really a, a a limit. Right. Well, I love your tips. I love the fact that, you know, not only are you this uber successful real estate mogul, mom of a billion kids, wife, you know, all doing <laughs> all of the things that you're you love to do, but using your own personal story you know, the experiences you've had and to be where you are, I think is so important because it shows other people that they can do it too. And the fact that you allow yourself to be so vulnerable and so open only serves the world in such a really impactful way. So thank you, Denisha. Of course. And that's, I mean, the only reason I do this is because if I can do it, really anybody can. I was on government assistance. I was in massive debt. I had, and I got laid off from work when I started doing my vision boards. So this is, I mean, this is really achievable for all of us and any of us. And um, I, I think it's it's important that all of us get focused on it and, and take control of it. Absolutely. And I think that knowing that it's possible is amazing. And the fact that you are not only on this podcast, but in 2019 offering your services to help people, to teach people. If anybody listening wants to get on the wait list or at least be first to know about workshops that Denisha and I collaborate on, please email hello at 40thrive and let us know. We will get you on that list. You'll be the first to know. You can sign up. She's, you know, I I love that we're going to talk about things like money and credit and real estate and vision boards. And you kind of run the gamut with knowing so many things about a lot of areas that ultimately will give people such financial freedom if they follow your tips. Well, thank you, Jackie. And thank you for doing this. You're very welcome. Because I think it's important. Yes. And so before you go, one thing I ask every one of my guests, what does it mean to you to 40 Thrive? I think that, you know, 40 Thriving to me is really, I think when you turn 40, you are like, I am really, really, really a grown up. (laughs) (laughs) And I think to thrive in that is to like really take accountability and responsibility for your own abundance and happiness and freedom. So I think to be 40 thriving is to be those things. Awesome. 
I love it. Thank you so much, Denisha Reister. If you are anything like me, you've been taking notes this whole time and you are ready to get started. Even if you went back and did one of the tips that Denisha has shared with us today, you will be in a much better position than you were before this episode. I'm really grateful that she came on and shared her experience and her expertise with us. If you haven't already, join us over at the 40 Thrive Facebook group. That's where you can connect with other 40 Thrivers, get some information, meet some experts, and be able to have a safe space to vent and to share and to celebrate. Thanks for listening. Take care and keep thriving. Spring has sprung. And with the change of seasons, sometimes comes an increase in vitality. If you're feeling in the mood for a little more personal time, may I suggest Coconut. Coconut is all about providing clean and natural ingredients when you're enjoying your most intimate moments, with or without a partner. Naturally safe products developed by people who are obsessed with quality. Get 15% off with promo code GROWNASS at grownasswoman.guide forward slash Coconut. That's 15% off with promo code GROWNASS at grownasswoman.guide forward slash coconut.